0: Quick disclaimer, although what we say is evidence and literature-based, we don't know your personal details and situation. Therefore, make sure you're discussing these things with your doctor. Welcome to the CPR for Life podcast. I am Sagar Doshi, boarded and practicing lifestyle medicine physician and emergency medicine physician,
1: joined by Zach Hermosis, boarded and practicing emergency physician and practicing lifestyle medicine physician.
0: Howdy, Zach. Happy New Year. Hope things have been going well. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, it's been some
1: time. I was actually just recording a podcast that I never published about how I haven't seen you in a while and about how things have been going at work, but I decided to get (laughs) rid of it so nobody will ever hear it. And now there's mystery.
0: Excellent. So anyway, I wanted to talk with you about another one of these pillars to disease reversal and not getting sick in the first place. And just to re-emphasize how we're doing this podcast, we are starting with... The underlying pillars to what it's going to take to change someone's health, to keep them from getting sick or to turn back the clock when they've already gotten sick with something like heart disease or diabetes, etc. And so we've gone through a number of these major pillars. You know, you can look back, uh, sleep, exercise, nutrition, stress. And once we start going further in this new year, we'll start talking about diseases one at a time and then saying, hey, you may want to go back and listen to those pillar podcasts. And so there's one other pillar that isn't really official. There's not a lot of data in it yet, but there's some, and I wanted to share it, and that's about nature.
1: Can I just say I, I like the term pillar podcast <laughs> <laughs> as an aside? It's the alliteration. I, I like it. And so people might
0: be thinking, okay, nature. So you mean essential oils and herbal supplements, but I don't. I don't. I mean actually getting out there currently, in the cold, in the air, and going for a nice long walk. Because that has been shown in various ways, just experiencing nature has been shown to have a lot of health benefits. And then not experiencing nature, one journalist who's written a number of books on this apparently, has coined the term nature deficit disorder. That is not something you're going to find in the psychiatric manual of mental illnesses. But It does have a nice ring to it, it kind of sums up things. Nature deficit disorder, or the fact that we are not involved in nature like we were meant to be. I mean, if you think about it, how many millions of years have we been on this planet as a species, or a species becoming our species, and when did we actually start living inside of houses all the time and spending literally 90% of our time indoors, which is where we spent more time than anywhere be it in our house or in our car, we are in our spaces out and away from nature so much more than we are in nature. How much time do you spend in nature, Zach?
1: Not very much, but you talking about all this actually makes me want to do this podcast outside. <laughs> in the blustering wind. Yeah. It so, would be really good. Sound quality. That's one idea. <laughs> Just a lot of. Uh, uh-huh. uh, to answer your question, <laughs> nowhere near as much as I'd like. I like getting out for runs as, as you know. Um, And in the spring, summer, fall, I'll go outside and drink my morning coffee outside as often as I can because I just enjoy being outside. Uh, But not anywhere near as much time as I'd like. And probably around the 90% number is accurate for indoor versus outdoor time for me. Probably even, I mean, honestly, higher than that. Can anybody say that they spend more than two and a half hours outside every day? Yeah, tons of people can. Just not anyone I know. Right. Yeah, fair (laughs) fair enough.
0: Except for my kids, which, thank goodness because they thrive on this. And they happen to go to a nice school that makes them go outside, whether they like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's cold or not, going outside, (laughs) which is how I've approached it with them since they were little as well. I don't care what the weather is, we're going outside, Mm -hmm. at least for a little while. (laughs) I was just on a walk with my son the other day. It was freezing cold, but he really wanted to go outside, so did I. We were feeling stifled. And we started walking, he says... I just feel better when I'm outside. I, If I feel sick, I just feel better if I go outside. Well, that's very wise. Speak because, the truth, child. Yeah. <laughs> not, as, not only is that anecdote, that's actually evidence. <clears throat> we know that spending <laughs> lots of time inside will lead to things like vitamin D deficiency, right? There's no sunlight. Seasonal affective disorder, right? Because there's limited sunlight. So what do we do most of the time? To a problem like that, oh, I'm not outside enough. So vitamin D, uh, all right, I'll take the supplement. Okay, yeah, that's probably the best way in terms of vitamin D. (laughs) Okay, seasonal affective disorder, not getting enough sunlight, sleep problems, not getting enough sunlight. What do I do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a box that outputs sunlight or light that (laughs) mimics the sun. I'm going to put that box next
1: to my computer screen. I'm going to turn it on in the morning. (laughs) There you go. Problem solved. I guess the podcast is over. (laughs) I'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if all that
0: the outside world had to offer us was certain wavelengths of light, maybe that would work. But it's so much more out there, right? There's smells, there's sights, there's touch, there's every sense starts getting involved when you're suddenly in a place that you're not familiar with, or even if you are familiar, a place that is not wholly comfortable and you may not be entirely comfortable in it, right? I mean, if you got to look out for dog poop every so often, see what you're stepping in and make sure you didn't lay down in a pile of ants, suddenly you're expending more energy and attention and things are not the same. So some of these positive effects that people have found in the research, in the literature, overall less stress, right? You can literally measure less cortisol. People are getting better sleep when there's more time in nature, less depression, less anxiety, less aggression, less ADHD symptoms, lower blood pressure, improved post-op recovery, improved acute and chronic pain, less obesity, less diabetes, less mortality, even cellularly, cellularly, higher immune system function in terms of NK cell activity, and even better vision. So all that kind of sounds... Uh, could it still be just going out in nature? Uh, that really, can do all that? That sounds like a little bit of hocus pocus.
1: Well, I was just gonna ask. I some of that sounds like maybe it's a little bit of increased activity, where you're getting some better sure. metabolic effects in post-op recovery. We know that you know if you're getting up, and moving in general for most surgeries. Obviously, you don't need to get a, like you know an ankle surgery and be walking on it yeah. right away. But yeah, I think some of that may just be getting up and moving. But that's still part of the mentality of getting outside, and it's still part of the benefit of getting outside even if it is yeah. not controlled for.
0: And so there's a lot of, and this is where the research gets difficult because there are those confounding factors, right? Is it the actual being outside in nature that did it? If you were outside in the city setting, would that also do it as long as you were moving? Is it the community of people? Did you go out to nature alone and that's helping? Or did you go out with people and that's helping? Is it the culture that you have with nature? Is it is it what's happening? You're always outside doing this event, this ceremony. This occasion is always celebrated outside. And then, you know, how are you experiencing nature? Did you just go out there to bird watch or did you go out there to bird hunt? And does that make the same result? I don't know. Right? Because these are very fine, important details and the literature is growing, but not all these questions have been answered. And one of the questions that I would love to see an article pointing to, but I haven't yet is, is the nature of winter? the same as the nature of summer in terms of its beneficial effects. Do I need to be experiencing lush green leaves in order to get the benefit or not? And right off the bat on that, I will say it doesn't seem to be because people have looked at whether the color green seems to do much for us, and it doesn't. So it's not just looking at the color green. But when you go and you talk about surgery specifically, there's a really cool paper that came out I want to say it was the 70s, could have been the 80s, but it was a guy named Ulrich. Wasn't a doctor, but he was someone involved with landscape design, architecture. Uh, And he did a study in a hospital where people were getting cholecystectomies or gallbladder removals. And this was long enough ago that people would typically be an inpatient for it and would have to stay in the hospital for about a week, which is so crazy now because people are usually in and out on the same day. I'd be upset. Yeah, but there was an interesting experiment, because even though there were similar doctors, same doctors, same nurses, same nursing care, same level of complications, there was one random variable, and that is what view out of their room did they have. And some of the rooms had a lovely view of a brick wall. And some of the views were of the yard and the trees and the grass and so he looked at this and said okay is there a difference here and they found a difference there was about a day shorter hospitalization for the people that could have the nice view and significantly less opiate use or pain medication use and that wasn't any in christ activity that's just what they were staring at while they were laying in their bed or shuffling around their
1: room i wonder if that was time of year dependent and the reason I say that is because even talking about, you know, it doesn't make a difference whether you get out in the winter or summer. I wonder if that's person dependent. You know, if if you hate heat, is it better for you to get out in the in the winter? If you hate, you know, cold weather? I, I don't know. I, I like going outside either way, even when I'm whatever it doesn't really make a difference for me. But I'm sure there are people who are like, listen, I go outside in the cold and forget that. Forget everything about it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's my wife. That's Jamisha. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> we got to. Yeah. It's so usually a long cajoling process to get her to come out if it's cold. <laughs> oh, poor <Jamisha. laughs> Yeah. But for this study, it is important to note that they did limit the time of the year to when the trees would have leaves. Fair enough. So I don't know what would have happened if they did it for the whole year because they didn't do that. Yeah. But there's lots of um, other reasons besides just what we can look at that may be explaining this. One of the mechanisms can be what the plants are putting out, plants like trees or pine trees. There's studies coming out of Japan where they show that breathing in the aroma of trees for a few hours as you go through a hike for the day uh, can increase the number of natural killer cells and the activity of those cells for at least a week and for as long as a month. And this is this was randomized. They had people go to the trees and go walking around in the forest,
1: and then they had people go walking around in and the. That's city. why samurai were such good good soldiers.
0: Because <laughs> they didn't get sick as often.
1: That the Japanese cherry blossom trees and their natural killer cells were high, so they were just awesome in war. So I you know think because their
0: their natural killer cells were high, that they were just naturally killers. Correct. They, they, were just, <laughs> they just couldn't help it. <laughs> it's interesting. You'll have to design a study and find out. <laughs>
1: Uh, aren't samurai all gone well except for tom cruise he is the last one was the last one
0: yeah that's what i was told in the movie once <laughs> i may have misinterpreted the movie it's entirely possible <laughs> but it's interesting because it's not only natural killer cells and zach um do you remember what natural killer cells do
1: yes they are tumor fighting infection fighting cells yeah exactly
0: if you have a cell that is not helpful and it's actually a harm for cell, these NK cells will go and kill it. They will identify it. Well, may not identify it, but they will go kill it. They find it and kill it. But then when you measure the other uh, anti-tumor immune system function uh, properties in these people, such as T cells, granzyme, perforin, all of these have a role in finding cancer, and they all get increased when these people are walking around in the woods. Which is interesting because these are also cells that, yeah, they're known as anti-cancer, but they're also against any kind of infection, including viral infections.
1: Why is that important? Is there a big virus going around that we need to talk about?
0: I, uh, I don't know. I
1: presume it's, it, if it
0: was important, it'd be in the news. Probably. Anyway, going on. Yeah. But people are looking at this as a potential supporting role for how to uh, fight COVID infections prevent it from happening, and treat it. So we'll see what comes from that.
1: Wouldn't that be awesome if in so like you, two months, all of our ventilated patients were just ventilated outside? You don't have like mean, indoor Air ICUs. was piped in from the trees yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to go into the ventilator system. Hopefully the filters aren't too good. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, That uh, creates a logical conundrum there, I suppose. Oh.
0: And there are these actual chemicals in the air that are called phytoncides or phytonicides, depending on how you want to pronounce it and some other agents but first to some degree they're able to get those agents in essential oils of different kinds of pine trees so they've even had people just smell the aroma of these pine trees and guess what their activity went up in these various ways so you're saying essential oils work And then I'll say this part, but it didn't work (laughs) nearly as well as the people going out and being in nature. Okay. So there's more than what's in the essential oil. Just like with food, there's a lot more than what's getting into the oil. So, hey, go get the whole plant. Yeah. (laughs) There's a whole food experience not involving eating. Yes. Or food, I guess. Whole plant experience that is not whole food. They've even shown in research that if you take Alzheimer's patients in different facilities and you try to control for as many things as you can. And like we said before, it's going to be so many confounding agents, but Alzheimer's is a disease where the memory goes. And then as people's memories go, they can often become more and more combative as the disease progresses. And it's just a known outcome. I get a lot of patients because. Uh, There's a nursing home across the street from where I do most of my work in emergency medicine. And if there's a patient that's in there for combativeness and Alzheimer's disease, and that's why they're there, they oftentimes will come to the emergency department because suddenly they were more combative than they expected or someone didn't give them their medicine on time and now they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so this is a real problem. So they looked at facilities that had more outside time, more gardens, people being able to go out into these gardens versus where they couldn't, but they were still just as active and there's still people. And they found that in the facilities that had more natural settings, there was the same amount of violent encounters instead of what would typically be experienced and expected, which is an increasing amount of violent encounters, which was happening in the facilities where people lived that didn't have any natural settings. And then even when you look at some studies looking at prisons, those that had a, prisoners that had a view of farmland that was next to the prison versus prisoners that had a view of the courtyard or of an intersection of the prison, those that had the farmland view made way fewer trips to the doctor. Again, a lot of confounding variables in there. Did the people that were healthier or more well-behaved or anything like that suddenly just get the nicer rooms and they were the people with the cruddier rooms were people that weren't liked or they were worse offenders or something? Who knows? I have no idea. So there's there's room for these variables. But it's interesting that you're finding this same theme through the literature. Mm -hmm. And there are different ways to encounter nature. So... Some people, they just think about nature and they're hoping that that might be enough. So there's no evidence for that being enough. There's no evidence for that being enough in psychological health, mental health, or any physical health. Just simply knowing that nature exists, picturing nature, doesn't help more than anything else. Now, looking at nature, that can help. So if I right now I'm looking out into my front yard, I see some grass, I see a couple of trees, I see many houses. But looking out into nature is going to have much more effect than just imagining it. And interestingly, looking at a picture of a tree does not have the same effect as looking at a real tree, but it does have more effect than imagining that tree. So every step further in exposure is helpful with things like, as has been seen in research, lower stress. Um, longer attention spans, better heart rate recovery after a stressful event. So these are things that even office places are putting into use. And if you have been to an office in the last five years, there's probably been an increase in plants. And I don't think anyone's gone to the office in the last few years, so all those plants may have died. But <laughs> people are doing it. Now, if you actually interact with nature, if you go for a walk in nature, if you go and sit in nature, then you end up with even better health outcomes, or if you bring nature into your own life. And for this, I mean, even pets, to me, count as part of the natural world. And people with heart attacks who have pets recover faster than those who don't. People who are near green spaces and are elderly tend to live longer than those who don't. Again, confounding. Right? Those people that are elderly that live near green spaces, are they just there because they're already healthy and they love to be outside? Right. Maybe. Right? So when you look at interacting with nature and who benefits the most, if you take a regular healthy person and you put them in nature, you're not going to see much, if any, changes in things like heart rate, Mm -hmm. blood pressure, but you will see things like less fatigue, uh, better attention span. However, if you take people that are actually... Psychosocially imbalanced is the term in the research or people who are just not doing so well and don't have much support, aren't well integrated with other people. If you take them and you put them into a natural setting, you're actually going to get a more measurable improvement in things like blood pressure and heart rate. It makes more of a difference for them. To my head, it's, it's kind of the analogy to exercise. If you take people that are, have almost no muscle and you give them even a little bit of muscle... Suddenly, their life is very different.
1: I think that's true of anything. I mean, I can't think of a skill. If you take an NBA player and you give them a half an hour a day in the gym, you're probably not going to see much of a difference. But if you take somebody who's never touched a basketball before and you give them a half an hour a day in the gym, they're going to look a lot better.
0: Yeah, completely. And then if you actually go one step out further and you say, okay, well, interacting with nature is good, but what about people that get to live in nature or integrate in nature, people that live next to a giant woods or live on a farm or something like that, and you look at them, you get to see that their microbiomes are actually different than other people. Their uh, tendency to have any kind of autoimmune problems is going to be less so. And then if you take people in urban areas and you put them near green spaces, those people will seem to live longer I should phrase it differently because that makes it sound like a prospective trial, but this is all retrospective. And so, again, literature isn't great here, but it seems to show that people living in cities near green spaces have better health outcomes and psychological outcomes like less fatigue, less anxiety, better attention span, less depression. But it's interesting when you look at controlling for income, once people have reached a certain income level, then the difference between those that are living near green spaces and those that are not seems to go away.
1: Well, I was going to bring that up too, because usually people who are living near green spaces tend to want to live there. They're more desirable places to live. I would imagine that those are probably people of higher socioeconomic statuses. Yes and no, right? Because there's a lot of people in
0: rural communities that live very close to nature that do not have much money.
1: I, was the study that you mentioned specifically looking at urban people versus Yeah green point. spaces versus yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That that was specifically looking in an urban setting. Yeah. Yeah. And in those places, you're right. You know the parts the houses near the park are more expensive than the houses farther away. Right. And then even looking at other things like just social aspects. For those that are living much closer to nature, having it inside their house with lots of plants or outside their house with the woods. There's a relationship between that and having just overall less conflict in the house between family members. So there's a lot of research going on. There's a lot of improvement in how the research is being done. There's a lot left to be explored. But the current um, look of things is that nature may actually be important to
1: getting healthier and staying healthier so you're saying thoreau is on to something
0: yeah i don't really remember much about thoreau
1: although i don't know if he actually did this (laughs) oh walden you know life in the woods thing yeah 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 although i think he cheated quite a bit on that because didn't he didn't he live in nature but still like went into town for his groceries and didn't tell anybody i have no
0: idea if i was to be a hermit. I would want to go into town and buy groceries. I wouldn't want to have to farm everything and find it and hunt it or whatever needs to be done. I would just like to
1: go to a grocery store. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, uh, you know, score one, score one. I I don't know if that's why Thoreau was doing that. I don't remember anything being about health for him. But hey, who knows? Maybe maybe he was thinking ahead ahead of his time.
0: Well, if I was a writer and a poet and I was super creative. I might have a lot of inner turmoil. And that seems to be something anecdotally that everyone that spends a lot of time
1: in nature talks about. What's that? Getting getting rid of inner tur- turmoil?
0: Yeah. Or just finding it easier to let go.
1: Thoreau should have been like putting himself in some city street with no nature to really be as miserable as possible <laughs> to pump out as much good <laughs> literature as he could.
0: There you go. <laughs> It's interesting. We'll have to take that into account. I want to see now where the artists are coming from. Are they coming from dense concrete jungles or are they coming from open landscapes?
1: We will have to do a study. Yeah. I know. I'm, and I'm we will objectively now. judge their art and <laughs> say which is better.
0: <laughs> where did it come from?
1: Where did it originate?
0: But speaking of nothing, just tangentially, actually, there is also a real connection between. Being outside, everything I'm saying so far is being outside in nature where it's actually safe and clean to do so, where you will not get accosted, attacked, or breathe in tons of dense smog.
1: <laughs> yeah. And which isn't, it, not everybody can do that. You know, that's yeah. not everybody's situation, which kind of sucks. It is. Yeah. It does. And that's another reason uh,
0: to appreciate it while we can and maybe. If more people can appreciate it and the role that it plays in our health, then we'll do more to keep these places around and keep it clean. But if anyone's actually mm-hmm. interested in the connections between environmental changes, climate changes, health, all that stuff, there's a book that came out by a couple of emergency physicians a while ago called Enviromedics that delves into those statistics and details. So it's kind of a textbook though, so you know, just put it on your list. All right. Any other things you wanted to mention about this potential other pillar?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think just anecdotally, I I don't know. I know that it's a theme in emergency medicine docs that we typically like to be active and run around outside, and I'm certainly no exception to that. So I know that I'm happier when I'm out. You know, I think about when Nina and I even go on vacation to places, we just like being outside. We don't necessarily like going to Indoor activities, we like to just do outdoor stuff because we just love it um and so I get again, this is totally anecdotal, but you know if we're choosing in our free time to be outside as much as possible, that should speak at least personally how it affects us and how we at least in some to some degree inherently know that it's helpful, yeah, and that's uh at least for our mood I mean I, I obviously I don't know what's happening on my cellular level, but from a mood standpoint, I know that it helps,
0: yeah, and that's an interesting point that we didn't even go into mood. Purpose, inspiration, the love of life, the ability to interact with others differently—all various facets that have actually had some studies into it. But I really just focused on physical and
1: mental health. Sure, of course, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely those are things we're not getting into. And of course, you know, there's I'm sure that we can branch off and talk about this for hours. Most like most of our topics, but yeah, those are it's hard to ignore those things too, especially again for. The daily person who's going to feel it, you know, you're not going to feel your blood pressure being lower or your cancer risk going lower, but you may feel your mood shift or your anxiety decrease or your, you know, your patients improve or whatever.
0: Yeah. And that feeling is a little victory that can reinforce someone doing it over and over again. Definitely. Right. So put some plants in your house. If you have a yard, open the windows, look at it simple things yeah look at some pictures of trees yeah better yet go be if in the can't. trees
1: <laughs> now you can walk through them don't, you don't, go go climb them don't climb <laughs> i would usually advise against climbing random trees in public but who knows whatever maybe i'm off base it
0: depends on your neighborhood i suppose Yeah, and depends on the tree
1: i maybe ask your neighbor's permission first
0: if it's my tree i'm climbing it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess you can climb your own your own tree. But I guess if like if you looked in your backyard right now and some random person was climbing your tree, you may be a little bit freaked out. I know it's not likely that that person would mean you any harm, but who knows? It'd be weird. I
0: yeah, I'd be a little concerned. I may go confront them. <laughs> yeah, but if in a park I found people in trees, I'd say like that's that's actually very common. If every time I go hiking. There are people in trees. So it's normal now. I look up sometimes. Really? You see people in trees? Yeah. Low branches. (laughs) And either they're just, they're usually just sitting and relaxing. Sometimes they've uh, put out a hammock. I think it's amazing. I wish I had a hammock.
1: I know. I I agree. I just don't know if I've seen that in a very long time. Next time you go hiking, look up. (laughs) Take it all in. There are people in trees. <laughs> there were probably there were probably just people staring at me from trees the entire time and I was totally oblivious. Yeah. Well, I don't Which, Yeah, they're usually reading Is a little or bit disconcerting
0: or eating. I mean, I don't think they're paying attention to anyone else
1: too much. I don't think so either, but it's a little funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, check it out. I guarantee you, next time you go on a hike, if you look up, you mean, oh, oh wow, yeah.
1: Okay, hello. <laughs> the guarant, the guarantee is a A very bold move. I guarantee it. If it's a long enough hike. So we went to Shenandoah and there was nobody in the trees, but maybe that's a little much. Uh, That's probably the last time I hiked. Okay. Nobody was was hanging out in the trees.
0: I'll put it this way. If you go in a place where there's a lot of people that typically will go on these trails. Fair. If you go to an isolated area where there's not even many people, the chance of seeing people is low and the chance of seeing people in trees is also low.
1: I'm going to go and try to find out the next time you're hiking and climb a tree on your trail. Yeah, do it.
0: But now I won't be surprised because you <laughs> ruined it.
1: <laughs> I think you'd still be surprised. I think you would still be surprised.
0: I wouldn't be surprised that you are in the tree. I'd be surprised you stalked me so
1: carefully. Right. I mean, whatever. Whatever it takes to surprise you, it's fine.
0: Right. I'm glad I'm a challenge. And I've got that sting <laughs> song stuck in my head. All right. Now we're just. To- battling at this point so we should probably end this
1: correct I agree Uh, yeah well until next time get outside even if it's cold bundle up if you need to Uh, go enjoy some nature probably a little cold to climb trees but if that's your thing go climb a tree I guess just don't get hurt yeah
0: breathe in the whole plant go look at the whole scene pay attention to stuff you don't normally do and remember that the way you live can save your life